Can you turn up my volume a little more? Yeah, you're wearing the orange. Let me know. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Mic check. That's good. All right, check yours, Josh. Alrighty, mic check one, two, mic check one, two. Okay, you already started us? Yep. Okay, so let me just clap in. Hello, hello, America. Welcome to Cry, Let It All Out with Sweet D, your host, or you can call me Cry. We have a special guest today, but before I introduce him, I want to let you know that we're doing Michael Jackson. Yes, and it's from the Thrill book, and it's published or written by Carol... Caroline Latham. But this is Cry, Let It All Out with Sweet D. Call me Sweet D, Sweetness, or Cry. And I have a special guest this week who is gonna give us his little bit of uh, intake on Michael Jackson and some other things I want to ask him real quick. He's only going to stay for half of the show, so let's get it started. All right. His name is Josh Artman. He works at CCTV, where I uh, have a talk show and a podcast. He's one of the talented individuals here who get everything going for us he does everything he's really smart hi josh hey sweetie thanks so much for having me on cry let it all out <laughs> you're so cute josh uh so josh before we get into michael jackson i just want to ask you uh do you know who your who's your pick for president yet i do not it's a very contentious field and you know <laughs> starting to feel like there's no uh easy winner there yeah i think ultimately i will be voting because voting is important um i'm not you know probably like a lot of folks out there i'm not overly enthused with any of my options right now as a, a young person and person who's a fan of progress and change and all that good stuff right well i'm 51 josh how old are you uh as a matter of fact today is my 27th birthday Today's your birthday? It is. Oh, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Josh. Happy 27th birthday to you. 27 years on earth. How does it feel? And what are your plans for your birthday? Yeah, thanks so much, Dee. Um, it feels good. I will say it's been a tough couple of weeks personally, just like getting my personal life in order, affairs in order, work in order. Uh, you know, it's just that time of the winter. Yeah. It's tough to stay in touch with, with some people. So it's been been a couple tough weeks leading up to today but i think i am taking some time today to take a step back take some deep breaths be kind of grateful for the community and communities that i'm a part of and the the support that i feel from all those wonderful folks 
Yeah, you're a wonderful person. How? What are you doing for your birthday? Um, I think I'm gonna go and spend uh, some time with my girlfriend later. Nice. What's her name? Her name's Tara. You want to say something sweet to her? Uh, hey Tara, this is Josh on Cry Let It All Out, and uh, you're a lovely partner, and I can't wait to see you. Ah, uh, you're the best, Josh. How long have you been together? Uh, just about a year, and we're probably a couple months short of a, a year and a half, but right around there. Nice. I hope it lasts forever, Josh. Thanks. Me too. So, uh, the other question I wanted to ask you, do you think, uh, we can do anything about gun violence? Well, D, you're asking the, uh, the tough and right questions there. <laughs> um, you know... As as we've established, I am but twenty seven, so <laughs> I've definitely definitely had my fair share of you know news stories, news events the past few decades where you look at gun violence, um, be it um, you know kind of more random mental health type gun crises or kind of more targeted kind of hateful gun violence stuff. And uh, you look at it and you see the horrible things that happen in this country and you think to yourself like, oh, man, like something's got to give. They can't that can't be something that you can just like do in this country. Don't you see? think um, it's like a, a major issue for the president? Yeah, I think time and time again, we have these moments where everyone thinks like, all right, this is going to be the straw. It's going to break the camel's back. We're going to have change. Right. And then, I don't know, they're not as powerful as they were maybe five years ago, but you have these pretty powerful interest groups in the United States, the uh, the NRA and all those kinds yeah. of membership associations that, you know, they're lobbying organizations at their core. They make it really hard for well-intentioned politicians to uh, really get progress. And I feel like the past few years, just school shooting after school shooting, I feel like it's kind of conditioned – you know, this generation of Americans to just accept gun violence as, yeah. uh, you know, just something like bad weather or uh, yeah. just some, <laughs> some unavoidable thing. And I, I know. I want to say it doesn't have to be that way, but I'm living <laughs> through it. And maybe it does have to be that way. Bad weather. Okay. So... Let's get into a little nice lighter note. We got Michael Jackson. Ah, yes. Now, you told me you don't know too much about him, but what do you do know about him? Well, what's there to say? King of Pop. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely familiar with uh the 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 big hits as it may be as far as uh uh Thriller and uh Smooth Criminal. And uh, all of his, you know, real everlasting hits. I'm sure you could go on and on with. I'm, I'm probably not including 20 other amazing songs that he's well known for. Right, like Billie Jean. Oh, of course. Um, did you did you did you see that as a young kid when he moonwalked on the stage? I do not. I do not think I have any kind of like young childhood memories of Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. Um, other than maybe just like, pretty sure I remember roughly where I was when I found out he died. Um, that, that was one of the first celebrity deaths that uh, I was kind of like aware of. Okay. I think it was him and uh, Billy Mays, the uh, 
OxyClean salesman. I think those maybe <laughs> maybe happened in the same year because they're kind of linked in my brain, and I don't know I don't know why they would be if if they're not maybe both the kind of first celebrity deaths that my childhood brain was able to really register. Okay, so um, Michael Jackson started out about five or six years old. You know that? Yes, the Jackson Five. Yes, the Jackson Five. And one of their first hits was ABC. You know that? Yep. Do you know the words to that song? That's easy. One, two, three. <laughs> All right. Something like that. Yeah, that's it. And then uh, Diana Ross discovered them. Okay, this is the part of the story that I'm less familiar with. I remember hearing that Michael's dad was their agent and yep. manager and kind of tough on uh, tough on his children a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I did not realize there was someone who uh, discovered the Jackson 5, though. That makes sense. Yeah, they were doing a talent show, and they were discovered by Diana Ross at the talent show. Uh, they were with Motown, which is Barry Gordy, and uh, – they have been in the music business ever since. So what I'm going to do really quick is read a little bit from the book and see what we've learned right here about Michael Jackson. Now, guys, this is page 45 of Michael Jackson Throw, written by Caroline Latham. And uh, if I may ask real quick before you get into it, D, is this a, a personal copy of the book? It seems like it's... Uh... Yes, it's rough. Yeah, been been it's well loved rough. over the years. I've had this since a little kid. Rough, but it's it's a good book. And I like that it's small, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay, it was no doubt true that the boys continued to listen to their father, as you said, but suddenly they had a lot of other people to listen to also. By the summer of 1970, their entourage was sizable. First, there was Suzanne DePass, a young executive of Motown whose real job was to see that the Jackson did things the Motown way. Then there was Tony Jones, their road manager, who coordinated the logistics of their travel and appearances. They needed a chauffeur by now since they were only secure after they had been whisked away in the big limo with the opaque windows. They also had a bodyguard to help ensure their safety, and since they had finally given up their attempt to attend any sort of school, the entourage also included a teacher. I didn't know that. Wow. That's nice. Mrs. Rose Fine. Aw. To see that their educations didn't suffer because of their stardom. They even had a guard dog, a German shepherd named Hobo, a writer for time joke that he was trained to eat anything black or white that's squeaky and carries an autograph book. <laughs> <laughs> and on any given day, there were usually other people around the Jacksons as well. A Motown photographer taking pictures that could be used for publicity purposes, a reporter from some magazine or newspaper who was getting a chance at a live interview, a publicist to act as a chaperone and keep the reporters away from potentially dangerous topics such as drugs and politics and assorted hanger hangers-on of every kind. No wonder Michael began to cultivate the habit of staying in his room. 
So a lot wow. of folks factor mm. in all that support, and then you got four other uh, siblings part of the band with you. That's yeah, a, a big crew. And now he's staying in his room. Sometimes that's a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was very quiet. So I got a few more seconds with you, Josh. Um, before you go, did you learn anything new real quick about Michael? Um, yes, I learned that he was discovered by, you said, Diana Ross? Yeah. So that's definitely new. And it makes sense that they would have an entourage even at that young age, but I definitely did not know. Um, even that the Jackson 5 were on Motown or how extensive their uh, entourage was. So I think I, I learned a lot here in a relatively short period of time. Okay. And Josh, I want to thank you for being here. And I want to say happy birthday again. Thanks, D. 27 big years. Yeah. Nice. Maybe this will be the biggest one yet. <laughs> and, uh, Let's just, uh, what would, uh, do you miss Michael Jackson? Um, yeah, I feel like it's, you know, pretty easy now to look through someone's entire life because, you know, as a young child, he really was in public life uh, from a very young age. It's very easy to look at someone now and, you know, dig into maybe some dirt or, or uh, you know, make judgments on people after they're gone. But, yeah. But I think uh, definitely I remember the way my parents talked about Michael and his prime, everything like that. I feel like I miss that energy. And we, we have that in other pop stars and pop musicians, but I feel like there's only going to be one, one king of pop and yeah. one Michael. So I do, in that sense, I do miss him. Good. And what's your favorite song by him before you go? Um, it's gotta be Thriller. It's gotta be Thriller. That All music right. is awesome. Thriller, Thriller Night. All right, Josh. Well, Josh is heading out now. We want to thank him for being on the podcast, Cry Let It All Out. Thanks We're, for having me. You're welcome, Josh. Thanks for being here. We love you. Thanks for all your hard work at CCTV. All right, guys, we're going to continue on with Michael Jackson, uh, the book, and then uh, I am going to uh, read a song I wrote to my mother. As you know, my mother passed away in 1993 with my father, and it was a month behind each other that they passed. I was in college my sophomore year, and it was very devastating for me. Um, okay, here's, we're on page 46 right now, guys, and this is, uh, actually, even though the Jackson 5 were one of the hottest groups of the year, Michael still didn't have his own bedroom. The family decided to move from their house in Hollywood Hills. It was too accessible to fans and too close to the neighbors who complained about the noise of Jermaine's bass and Johnny Jackson's drums. So they bought a house in the more remote San Fernando Valley in Encino. The house was virtually a mansion itself with the swimming pool, a badminton court, a basketball half court, and an archery range. Located on the grounds, there was a separate guest house, servants' quarters, 
and the playhouse. Soon they were to add a small recording studio. But even though the house was sizable and had such features as a sunken recreation room, it had only six bedrooms for a family of 11 people. So Michael, Marlon, and Randy, the three youngest brothers, all shared the same room. The fact that even today Michael doesn't really like to be completely alone may stem from the fact that it was not a habit he was ever able to cultivate in his youth. By the end of the summer, Motown had released the Jackson 5's second album, titled ABC. It contained the hit single of the same name and also their next hit, The Love You Save. ABC quickly made it into the top five on the charts. Amusingly, critics wrote about the album as if they were reviewing the output of long-established stars. For example, Arnold Brusky and Rolling Stone pontificated only fast with heavy ascented rhythm, with heavily ascented rhythm, but also loose and playful, with built-in irregularities and breathing spaces that Michael and the others can fill with their delightful vocal improvisations. In less than a year, there was apparently already an established set of rules for evaluating a Jackson song. The next hit single was, I'll Be There and it was also featured on the next album, somewhat unimaginative, unimaginatively entitled Third Album. Before the end of the year, they had cut one more album, Christmas Album. Third album was third Jackson 5 album to hit the top five, but Christmas album was less successful. Perhaps because it was so obviously a Motown attempt to exploit the holiday season and the Jacksons' popularity. The Jacksons closed out the year of 1970 by appearing before 50,000 fans in Madison Square Garden in November. A sellout crowd. Not only the fans were thrilled, so were the critics. Vince Aletti called the performance astonishing. He continued, first of all, visually, the five brothers are beautiful, or perhaps only cute, but they have complete Sorry, they have complete wonder commenting. If I wait a minute, that's not what I want. They have complete control. There's none of the embarrassment of child stars, but there's a stunning assurance of young men. When Michael punctuated his rendition of Who's Loving You with a graduated series of forward crotch thrusts, a standard R&B crowd-pleasing gesture, one was struck not so much by his precocity as his perfection, his professionalism. By 1971, the Jacksons had settled 
into their new existence. Parents Joe and Catherine did all they could to keep their kids from becoming unbalanced by their sudden success. Joe Jackson told Life Magazine, they go to school, do their chores, play ball, they have to maintain their personal lives because if any entertainer doesn't, that's when he can get the big head. I have tried to teach them to associate with everybody. It doesn't matter what class because all people are the same. The only difference is maybe some got a lucky break. Everyone who came into direct contact with the Jackson 5 agreed that they were truly nice kids, polite, well-behaved, deeply professional. In fact, one observer commented, if anything, you sometimes thought they were too nice, that they didn't have enough freedom. The evidence suggests that some of the older Jacksons would have agreed with this analysis. Jackie and Tito were particularly conscious of the price. They were paying for fame and the loss of personal freedom. Jackie told the reporter re resignedly, it's necessary for it to be this way, but I don't like the private life, he added. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Could it possibly have been sarcastic? Being good is part of the business. Not only were they separated from their peers by the aura of their celebrity, they also gave up most of their childhood to hard work. Tito told an interviewer that he found the work in the studio taxing, repeating songs over and over. That's a drag, man. It's hard. Jackie concluded rather grimly, it's my job. My work is entertaining people. Perhaps it is not surprising that the older brothers got married as soon as they were old enough to take such a step, quickly establishing their own households with themselves as the head. It must have been a welcome change from the heavily regimented days of their early success. Tito married in 1972, that's the year I was born, America, and became a father in 1973. That same year, Jermaine married Hazel Gordy, the daughter of Motown's head in a lavish wedding at the Beverly Hills Hotel for 600 guests at a cost estimated to be more than $60,000. Jackie was next was the next to marry in 1974. Only Marlon and Michael were left at home, and Marlon was already looking around for a place of his own. Unlike his brothers, Michael seemed content to have things remain as they were. When, t when several years later, younger brother Randy moved to his own apartment, Michael expressed wonder, commenting, if I lived alone, I think I would die. He continued to be very close to his mother and the fact that, like her, he had become a Jehovah's Witness gave them a special bond. But his choice of staying in the projected, protected world of home was based on more complex elements than simply his desire to stay close to his mother. 
The truth is that he was not really comfortable in that outside world that his older brothers wanted to rejoin. People who knew the Jacksons noted the difference. When the older boys wanted to go out and play basketball with friends their own age, Michael preferred to sit inside and listen to music and talk to adults. When they went to one of the parties at which Motown Commandment commanded their parents, the older boys mingled while Michael sat alone and took notes in a little book or drew pictures, deliberately disting himself as an observer rather than a participant. This is how talented Michael Jackson is, America. See the things he was doing from the beginning as a youth, taking notes, writing. Uh, wow. With his friends, he could laugh and joke. They teased him the way older brothers will do, called him liver lips, made him carry the baggage, threatened to beat him up if he got out of line. The relationships in his family were casual and relaxed, and on stage he also felt comfortable. He was a thoroughgoing professional. He knew what he was supposed to do when he got up in the spotlight, and he never failed to do it. But when he was just Michael in a room full of strangers, then he felt awkward, ill at ease. His solution was to stay away from such situations, and as is usually the case, the decision only served to make him less and less practiced, and therefore more and more uncomfortable. Home was the cocoon that kept him safe from such stressful encounters, so it's no wonder that he chose to stay there. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Uh, that's page 51 we're stopping on, and that's chapter 1 I was going back to and trying to finish up uh, before I got into chapter 2. But we'll uh, get into chapter 2 next podcast. So this song uh, is called My M.O.M., my only mother, there's no other, there's no other, forever and always, I shall love her. And I wrote this back in 1995, so let's get into it, my M.O.M. I like to fly, don't ask me why, maybe it's because my mom's in the sky, and until the day I die, I'll never say bye because I know that she's by my side. So I just glide like a plane, knowing one day it will all be the same, she and I together again. A team together. No one can win against us. Some tried to put up a fuss, but they couldn't succumb because we were too tough. Came out stronger when times got rough. She stood tall and proud, spoke her mind out loud. Now she's up there with the clouds, enjoying herself. Well, where will, enjoying herself while I'm going out for wealth. Every Grammy that goes on my shelf will be for her and all she did. Raised ever since I was this big, and how could it be that she's now 
not with me, but I deal because it's no mystery. You see, you never know which, when you're going to go. And if you don't believe me, Nasty Nas told you so. So I like every day, I live every day for her and me, hoping my name will go down in music history for the skills and talent that I possess and only because my mother thought it was best for her to conceive a child full of dreams, knowing one day it would be easily seen by the entire world, her little girl, talking about how she'll rock a fella's world. <laughs> but anyway, this is what I got to say. I love my mom in every kind of way, a very special way, like Eldabaj said it. Remembering her always and never letting it get me too down because she would only frown. I know she's saying, go on with your dreams and light up every town with your voice and your sweetness. The whole world's weakness. And, and when you're doing it, And while you're doing it, the Lord will save you from all those around you who play those games. Are they jealous because they're not the same? And you couldn't be because you from the capital C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. She'd make you laugh over and over, tell you ahead of time, and then she'd say, I told you. And how could you forget with the voice deep and wet could hear you could hear for miles when she was upset. She taught me to respect such musical greats as Barry White, Teddy Pendergrass, Marvin Gaye, and can't forget about Frankie Beverly. Music you used to hear every day while she was cleaning the house she didn't play. So what should I say? Only this, my M.I.M. I sure do miss. I can see her coming, now coming from food shopping, saying, now girl, don't be just plopping on the bed. Now move and get out to school, you fool. Laying in the bed on snow days like I was too cool to travel in the cold. But later it began to unfold. All the things that I was told by my mother. Dear Lord, I hope she knows how much I love her. And I'm here to tell you that there'll never be another who could even fit in her shoes. Size an 11 and a half and I'm not being rude. Just letting you know to step in you have to have a big heart, something I think, sorry America, you have to have a big heart, something I feel why we are torn apart, but you gotta be strong, continue to sing your song, it will come before you know, it won't be long, before you see it was for the best. Now, baby, here's your real test. Do you really have an S on your chest? Because you're strong and you sing sweet songs. Now, wipe those tears and keep like soul to soul. 
Now wipe those tears and like soul to soul. Keep on moving and grooving to your sounds. Soon everybody will be down with you and all the things you can do. I remember when I'd go too low and sing sounds of... I remember when I'd go too low and sing sounds of blackness in my room, telling myself to be optimistic. In time, baby, you'll get it. What you deserve and try to watch out for those winding curves in the road. Don't let anybody keep you from your goals. And here I am, and all I can say, I give to thee and my mother, M-O-M, my love for today. <sighs> Daggone. I love and miss you, Mom. And that was my song to my mother. A little rough. Um, it's a rough draft. Um, I wrote it, and there's a lot of scribbles, so I was trying to make sure I got the right words out. But that's the end of the podcast, America. Cry, let it all out with Sweet D. Cryer Sweetness. want to thank Josh Artman again for being on the show. And uh, America, I love you. See you next time. Michael Jackson, number one, and Tupac and Biggie, number one. Bye.